It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch is still on his African safari, but we are here with Alan Haugam, Haugam Law Firm here in Wausau, 715-845-2155. If you have your legal questions ready this morning, good morning, sir. Good morning, Tom. How are you today? Hanging in there. Uh, you you stayed up late enough to watch the end of the Badger games. Absolutely. For, for I was me, hanging the, to the end, diehard time. Yeah, the alarm came too early this morning. <laughs> I could Those late starts, so they, we, can't, we can't have games starting at quarter to 10 in the evening. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a little tough one. Anyway, uh, Badgers move on. They'll play tomorrow, 5-10 tip-off here on WSAU against Iowa State. Um, you know, there was a time in Wisconsin when the whole idea late in life was to give the house to the kids was to uh, and then live there to finish out your life. And that was uh, financially the astute thing to do and to do it sooner rather than later. That uh, And pe- people may still think that that's the case, but uh, you're going to talk about today that that is not the case and uh, that is something that you should not do at this point, right? Yeah, I think, Tom, it's uh, and, and, you know, we're lawyers, so we never say, well, you, nobody should ever do this under any circumstances. You know, of course, that's not the case. It's uh, But I would say this one comes about as close to that as, as just about anything. And, and what it is is, you know, years ago, you're right, Tom, the people used to, uh, they would they would get a little older and say, you know what, we want to give the uh, the house to the kids. At least we want to protect the house. In a lot of cases, the house was the biggest thing they had, and and you know paying off the house that thirty year mortgage burning party at the end kind of thing, and and they'd say we're never going to leave. We love this place and we want to give it to the kids. In some cases, it was the cottage. In some cases, it was the farm or the hunting land. But but a lot of times, just think of the just the family home. And, and for years and years, for, for generations, people would give the house to the kids, and then they would stay living in it. They would keep something called a life estate. And, you know, what this came back to is we always ask people, well, why would you give it to the kids? And it just seemed to be accepted, you know, uh, kind of orthodoxy that that's what we were going to do. But it, it turned out that a lot of times, in fact, a lot of times, I would say uh, virtually every time, it was because they wanted to protect it in case someone else would have a claim on the house. No one really wanted to give the house away. Um, <clears throat> there's no benefit to it. To the kids, but but if you said we're going to do that because we want to protect it, a lot of this comes back to the medical. A lot of it comes back to the long-term care and nursing home care. If if one spouse or the other ever needs nursing home care, they don't want the state to come in and say, "Well, we have a right to your house." So what they do is they give it to the kids. They say, "We're going to live there. We're going to keep the right to live there. It's called a life estate." So mom and dad would say, "We're going to live in this house forever," but put the the what they thought of as the ownership and technically it's a little bit there's a couple things to it but they say we're going to put the house in the kids names and keep the right to live there with the life estate and then years later whether it was three years or five years or whenever they did it whatever that time frame was years later uh, if one of them did actually need long-term care or nursing home care well the nursing home can still take all of the money still take all the money never it didn't protect that but at least this house was safe you say good and and it worked and one of the things that happened with that, I'd say it wasn't perfect in that if, let's say, both mom and dad are, are, are out of the house, maybe they're both in a nursing home, or one has passed away and one's in the nursing home, what happened was now this house oftentimes was vacant. You know, unless you found some family member to be a caretaker for it, you know, the house was often vacant. And then, you know, the, uh, the kids would say, well, wait a minute, all of the money was gone. All of the money went toward the nursing home care. So now the kids have to pull money out of their own pockets to pay the bills. You know, whatever the property taxes are, it's a thousand bucks, it's two thousand bucks, it's four thousand dollars. You know, 
you have to get insurance. You have to insure the place, you know, in case it's more expensive, Tom, to insure a vacant home. You know, it, it sometimes is two or three times as expensive because nobody's there checking, uh, you know, the, the water leak is no big deal if you're living there. It becomes a flood if nobody's there for two weeks. Uh, you know, the, the fires, the, all that kind of stuff. So you got to insure it. You got to pay the property taxes. You have to heat it. You got to heat it. Can't let the pipes freeze. Um, you know, there's ordinances about it. you have to plow the snow and you have to mow the lawn. And all of a sudden the kids are saying, wait a minute, there's thousands of dollars, literally thousands of dollars coming out of our pockets in a house we don't even live in. And, and as our parents, you know, they, they lost all their money to this nursing home side of it. So then the kids would sell the house. They say, we're just going to sell this. Mom and dad, we hate to say it, are not coming back. None of the kids are going to live in this place. Um, we're going to sell the house. Well, when they sold it, um, suddenly they had to pay a capital gains tax on the sale of the house. And you say, well, wait a minute, Alan. The, uh, uh, we know how this works, that there's an exemption when you sell your own home, when you sell your principal residence, you don't have to pay any capital gains tax for the first $250,000 of gain per person. So uh, so if it's a single person, the house can go up 250000 no capital gains tax. There's a capital gain, you just don't have to pay tax. If you're married, you can double it. Now you have $500,000 of capital gains. So we don't have to pay tax on either two fifty dollars or five hundred. And for most places in Wisconsin, at least until this year, Tom, I think, uh, <laughs> that covered most houses yeah, around here. Yeah. So people say, well, we don't have to pay a tax when you sell your house. Well, that rule is you, if you sell your house that you have owned and you have lived in at least two years out of the last five years. Well, if you gave the house to the kids and then later you needed nursing home care, well, you know, that's a house that you have a right to live in, but you don't own it. You gave it away. The kids, well, they own the house, but they don't live in it. So now everybody pays this capital gains tax. And you say, oh, well, if everybody pays tax, you say, all, all right, well, fine. You know, this house has gone up. It's gone up. You know, we, we mom and dad paid uh, 50000 for it. Now it's one hundred and fifty. I guess we're going to pay tax on $100,000. It's, you know, some people think the capital gains tax is around 15% commonly. So there might be $15,000 of tax. And then the state says, okay, we'll take the 15000 Thanks for that. But now we also want some money uh, when that house gets sold because mom and dad have a right to live in it or that life estate has a value. And, and the way we know it has a value, Tom, is if, um, if, if I wanted to uh, if, uh, receive a house, if, if some, uh, someone in an older generation is giving a house to a child, and I said, I received that house, and I said, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it to you. And I said, uh, it's a $150,000 house. And uh, I said, uh, Tom, you want to buy it? It's a great house. And uh, Tom, you said, yeah, you want to buy it. How much? I said, well, I'll sell it to you for 150000 And Tom would say, you're crazy. I'm not paying you 150000 I said, well, it's a $150,000 house. And Tom says, yeah, you know, it's a $150,000 house, but someone's living in it. <laughs> Someone has a right to live there for the rest of their lifetime. And I don't know if they're going to live for a year or two years or 20 years. So you would, you'd say they're, you'll buy the house because it's a great house, but you're going to have to get a discount on that. And the state says that, that the value, that means that the, the right to live there has a value. And they put a percentage on it. And that percentage changes. It gets a little bit less as you get older. But for nursing home purposes, uh, the state, I think the one when you get to around age 82 is about 40%. So let's say we got this, this house. Mom and dad, uh, it, they bought it for 50. Now it's 150. They give it to the kids. Years later, they need nursing home care, and the kids want to sell the house. Suddenly, we've got a $150,000 house that we sell. We've got to pay $15,000 in capital gains tax commonly. 
and then we got to pay, let's say our parents are in their early 80s, we have to pay 40% of the value of the house. Well, 40% on 150000 you know, uh, the quick math says that's about $60,000. And you say, well, wait a minute, we're paying $60,000 in, in the right to live there, plus 15 for tax. You know, we're, it's going to cost us $75,000 to transfer this house. Well, suddenly the kids would say, you know what? I think uh, I think we're not gonna. I think we're gonna figure out a way to pay the property taxes and keep this place heated for. Or, or we're gonna call up Eddie the Torch to come and do his thing. <laughs> we haven't gone that far. Oh, okay. Certainly, right. wrong law firm. Okay. Wrong law firm. <laughs> but but we say, you know, if if you tell the kids, hey, we we're trying to protect this house, this hundred fifty thousand dollar house. Good news, um, it's only gonna cost you seventy five thousand dollars. What the kids would say, well, we're not gonna sell it. And what the state said back then, years ago, back before twenty fourteen, is the is our kind of line of demarcation here. So back before 2014, if the kids hung on to that house until after both parents died, then you would not have to pay any capital gains tax. That would get wiped out. And because no one was living, that right to live in the house for the rest of your lifetime is worth zero. So so they don't have to pay the 15000 They don't have to pay the 60000 So the $75,000 that's leaving if the kids sell the house goes away. So if the kids wait until after both parents have passed away, they get to keep all of the money, pay nothing out of the family. Worked great. Well, the state said, that's great. Uh, and it that's works too it good, and that, we can't let that stand. That's the way it works in all 50 states, by the way. And uh, up until September 1st, excuse me, up until August 1st of 2014. So on August 1st of 2014, Wisconsin said, you know what, we're going to change that. We think too many people are putting the house in the kids' names or whatever it is they thought. I shouldn't assume that's what they thought. But... But they just wanted to penalize us a little bit more. So they said, if you do that now, if you give that house to the kids now and they sell it while parents are living, they've got to pay the 75000 or whatever those numbers come to. But And the kids say, no, 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 we know how this works. Um, we're going to wait until after both parents pass away because then we get to keep the money. And the state says, no, uh, what's going to happen is if you wait until both parents pass away, that tax goes away. No tax due. But you will always have to pay that $60,000 or whatever that life estate number is. The big number you have to pay forever. And as the house becomes uh, more valuable, the, the percentage goes down how slowly. Did, how did the legislators that voted for that stay in office? How well, did they not get voted out in the next election? Gets, it's, it's almost too, uh, too goofy to even listen to how they calculate it. Because people would say, well, how can, you, how can you say there's a life estate percentage that has to get paid? The people who were living there have passed away. They've died. Um, so the life, the, their future life expectancy is zero. And as, as, as kind of cold calculating math as that is. And they would say, oh, yeah, you're right. So the tax goes away and the right to live there goes away. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to artificially say that you owe a penalty equal to whatever that life estate percentage would have been one day before they passed away. And you say, well, well, one day before they passed away, they have a life expectancy of one day. So say, no, no, no. Well, we're going to skip that, too. And we're just going to pretend that one day before they pass away, whatever their age was, they would have lived for a long time, which obviously we know they didn't because they've already passed away. It's just it's it's total I just, fiction. I could also picture the the press conference in 2014 <laughs> with the legislators putting the spin on this and, and making it a positive thing. I mean, these guys are shameless, absolutely shameless. Now, and, you know, we've had some uh, there have been some in the last year or two. There have been a lot of uh, Facebook meme, you know, just run rampant about. Uh, so-and-so or this legislator, and again, on this program, we don't care who you vote for or anything like that. Just go out and vote. Well, we I don't do. Care. <laughs> Tom, vote. Tom cares. <laughs> but, but there's been a lot of things about this particular politician is going to take grandma's house. And you say, well, that's not really the case because that was really all kind of nonsense about this estate tax that was sort of fiction. 
But with this one, they really do. I mean, they really do take a huge percentage, you know, and it is 30%, 40%, 50 or even 60% of the value of the house just goes. And you're like, and you can't get away from it. Not even with death, Tom. Even as death, after death, they artificially put this penalty on the kids. So you say, well, how do you do it? So so I think the end and result of course, is. dead people have no lo- no lobbyists, <laughs> so nothing's ever going to change as far as that goes. Well, and I think to our listeners, and, and this is where you come in, um, dead people have no lobbyists. They don't vote. But I think the other thing is people don't understand this. Like they just say, no, 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 no. Here's how my parents did it. My parents put the house in the, in the kids' names. Yeah. Their parents put the house in the kids' names. My Uncle Bob put the house in the kids' names. You know what I think we're going to do, Tom? We're going to put the house in the kids' names. Well, that law has changed, and it seems like people really just – its the math is a little bit cumbersome. They just don't understand exactly how to do it or how to calculate it. So it just isn't top of mind. And there is no Facebook meme that goes around talking about this because it's just Wisconsin. This is not the whole country. And as, as much as it pains me to say, in other states, they can still give the house to the kids and use this life estate. Here you can't. I'm surprised that other venal legislators in other states did not follow Wisconsin. I just jumped on. I think, well, that, that might give you a little bit of a, this one's so outlandish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That, yeah, that yeah. even other states go, ooh, that, that's a little strong. I think. <laughs> unbelievable. All right, I tell you what, we need to take a break here. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Alan regarding this or any other legal topic this morning, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Every two minutes, go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. It's a radio program about us. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. Tear down this wall. Our American stories. Two, one, and the final liftoff of Discovery. Tomorrow morning at 5 and afternoon at 1. Your voice will be heard. Come on, man. Ask not what your country can do for you. On AM 550. All right. Ask what you can do. FM 99.9 and 95.1 WSAU. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, attorney Alan Haugam, Haugam Law Firm, joining us on the program this morning. Let's go to the phone and uh, check this out. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hi, my name is Jim from Plover. Hey, Jim, you're on with Alan. Go ahead. Morning, Jim. Thank you. Uh, I have a couple questions related to your topic. One is uh, a relative, uh, his parents intend on... uh, they set up a family trust that the farm and land will go to one of the uh, kids. And <clears throat> there is no nursing home cost, so those are covered, and we're not worried about that. But this house hasn't been lived in for a while. Um, would, if they pass this on in the family trust because they haven't lived in this house for a while, is that going to cause a problem? 
Well, I guess it depends on what problem you're, you're thinking about. You can certainly, if there's no nursing home cost involved, which, again, congratulations on that because that's pretty rare Hello? to actually have that one covered. But can you hear now? Whoop, are we back there? Can Jim? you hear now? Yes. Can okay. you hear me? Yeah. yeah, we can hear you. Yep, we got you, Jim. No, I think. All right. Did you hear, did you hear my question at yes. all? Yes, we got it. So I, I okay. think, you know, first and foremost, uh, congrats on getting the nursing home cost covered because that normally is the, the biggest concern. So if you got that one covered, we're good there. I think the other part of it is, is it a concern that the property was vacant? No. I mean, now, maybe there'd be a construction uh, expert or, or someone who says, hey, when houses are vacant, there's some things that start to deteriorate that you don't notice if no one's there. And I mean, maybe you grab somebody like an inspector or something to find out, or or if someone's going to be paying money for it, you'd want it inspected just to be on the safe side. But no, I think from the legal side, I think you're okay. Um, what you well, do is the, the family trust, you just pick who you want to give the house to, how much you know, do they have to kick in any money for it, or is it just a total gift? But, yeah, and farm families are different, Jim. You know, I grew up on a farm. I grew up on a small farm, more of a hobby farm. But, the uh, you know, some of our best friends in the entire world are, are, are you know, dairy farmers and bigger farmers. And, and you just, a lot of times, the farmland and the farm itself gets transferred differently because, you know, no kid could ever go and finance this uh, coming out of school. So it just has to if that, if that farm wants to stay operating. Well, it's not... <clears throat> Okay, whether it's oper- it's not an operating farm, they rent the land. Okay. I'm just saying, if this transfer happens, if it's been vacant, is there capital gains that'll kick in? Well, there should just- be. Yeah, and uh, I-, I think you're right about that. Now, the capital gains, you know, it really the capital gains tax comes in when it gets sold, when it gets transferred for money. So, in a, if you say, "Hey, we've got the farm in the family trust, or we've got the house in the in the family trust, we've got all this covered. We're not worried about the nursing home, and we're just going to transfer it." Well, when that property, when that vacant house transfers at death, the uh, there is no capital gains tax because no one's paying for it. So, if you transfer it at death to someone and that person then lives in it, no problem whatsoever. If, okay. on the other hand, you transfer that property at death through this family trust, and it, it goes to you know child number one, and child number one says, you know what, I don't think we're going to be the people who go in and live in it. Heck, if we were going to live in it, we might have been doing that already, but uh, but we're going to sell it. Yeah, then you will have a capital gains calculation um, depending on what type of trust it is. So, uh, and that that's one where the the term family trust has um, used in a couple different contexts. Uh, the way some people draft uh, what they would uh, term a family trust, um, there is no capital gains after death. The way other people would term a family trust, there are capital gains. Um, I think this is just, you know, call up your, your local friendly uh, estate planning and elder law attorney, and it would probably take five minutes to read that, and they could probably give you the answer um, or grab your CPA. But, uh, but yeah, without reading the document, um, that term gets used a couple different ways. Oh, okay. A secondary question related <laughs> Is when this gets transferred, as you know, sometimes in relations upon end of life things like this, things get tense. And uh, some of the relation around this person is really, I mean, somebody's advised him he should have a trust. This property comes into his hands, he should have a trust, especially since his marriage is a little shaky. Sure. So, he, uh, a lot of people hate this word, trust. I'm 
a believer. I'm a customer of yours. I'm telling them to pursue it. But many of the people are just aghast. They think it's terrible. They think he's wicked. <laughs> he, he has come up with the idea in the question, is it possible to set up a vehicle, something like that, but it doesn't have the trust name in it? Something that uh, looks like a trust, sounds like a trust, maybe, dare we say, quacks like a trust, but sure. isn't a trust? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, are there, are there any ways? Sure, you could, you know, probably spend three times as much money trying to create something that has all of the attributes and, and five times as many pages that does the things that you could have done in the first place with, with the trust. I don't think the word trust is bad. I've, I haven't heard too many people who dislike it. Usually we find people who do like it. Um, you know, the only concept of trust that sometimes people think of is they think it's for rich people. They say, oh, that's, is that the Kennedys or is that the Rockefeller family? Well, yeah, the Kennedys or the Rockefellers or, you know, name whatever gigantic, uh, uh, super wealthy, multi-generational family you can think of on the East Coast somewhere. That's different. When we talk about trust, that, that's a different scenario that, that is not what we would talk about. I think when we talk about trust, it, it's mainly um, think of a very, very simple one. Jim, there's dozens of kinds of trust. Think of a very simple one. Number one, do you want to go through probate or avoid it? You say, well, avoid it. Good. Me too. Um, if you say, when you give this house or any other property to your kids, do you want it to be subject to divorce if that child uh, ever gets divorced? Kind of like you're talking about, this, this marriage on shaky ground. Or do you want it to be protected? And people would say, well, protected, right? Yeah. Um, if it ever goes to younger people, do you want it to be uh, something that's protected just in case someone's young or, or isn't good with money or, or the nursing home side like you're talking about? So all those things. But that's really simple. And, and a lot of times I would say, well, don't worry about what it's called. Just are any of those your goals? And if it is, here's how you do it. And if not, then don't. But, uh, but yeah, the, the title of it, if someone has a hang-up with the title, um, that's not something we see too often. In fact, I can't remember the last time I've heard that, but, um, yeah, it's possible. So I think you just, just well, tell them, ask them what the goals are, how do you accomplish it, what's the easiest way to accomplish it, the least expensive way, and then that's probably the one that you implement. Well, it's not the rich aura that's yeah. the problem. It's the fact that beyond the cello, some of the – he's eventually planning – to pass it on to his kids. Some of them are real uppity, and they say, well, if it's in the trust, we're going to lose control out of our hands. They think the trust is just evil. Oh, then give them control. Then give them control in the trust. It doesn't really make a difference. That one, that was just someone who's not real educated about it. So I would say just let them sit down with someone who can explain it to them, and it would probably take 15 minutes, and they would, they would would. this is where they throw their head back and go, oh, now I get it. Oh, okay, right. I didn't realize that All before. right, all right, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah. 715-845-2155. We need to take a break here for some news. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Alan, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Alien abduction. There's a tremendous level of shock involved. And the effect on those who experience it. People end up with post-traumatic stress disorder, which I struggled with for years. Coast to Coast AM. It's essentially a lifelong experience for me, and I'm not alone in that. A lot of post-encounter witnesses have this in their lives, all of their lives. All of their lives. News Talk WSAU. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King, Alan Haugen, pinch hitting from Earl Kelch today. Let's go back to the phone. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hi, this is Paul. Hey, Paul, you're on with Alan. Go ahead. Morning, Paul. Hi. I was a power of attorney for my father-in-law, who was 96 when he passed away last year. But there's one thing I always wondered about. In the end, they activated his power of attorney for health care for me. 
And after that was activated, sometimes he would talk about wanting to build a new house, you know, when he was 95 years old. Yeah. Was when the power of attorney, when he was incapacitated for health care reasons, did that also stop him from being able to sign contracts? Or would it have been a fight between us if he really wanted to build a new house at 95? Yeah, it would have been a bit of a fight. So, and, and I would say, Paul, it's a good question. And I'd say it's, there's a, it's one where there's a lot of confusion around, I think, with, with, with people. Just because when, you, when we have things, now this gets back to our show last week. We talked about the powers of attorney for health care and the powers of attorney for finances. And, and what those do is they just name someone who can make decisions for you. If you're not able to, whether financial decisions like building a house or setting up a bank account or investing or healthcare decisions as to what type of care do I want, what do I want to sign off for. So what ends up happening <clears throat> is the, and I don't know if this is, uh, is codified in the statutes or anything like that, but, but people tend to think that healthcare decisions are a little bit more serious because they can come up on the spur of the moment. Um, there's obviously, it, it, in some cases, it's life or death. It's, it's all kinds of things. So... That, that oftentimes the, the two physicians or the one physician and the one psychologist, that's the standard for Wisconsin, that if they activate that power of attorney for health care, it says that I am naming someone who can make my medical decisions because they might have to make a decision quickly. And they don't know if, I, you know, sometimes I'm great in the morning, but I'm bad in the afternoon or I have different times a day or, or maybe I just have better days than others. They don't have to rely on that. So they're going to say, no, Paul. Uh, we're going to activate this healthcare document. Paul can do it. Great. Um, it doesn't say, though, you know, necessarily that you are the person, even if you have a power of attorney for healthcare, that also must be activated. We would call this a springing durable power of attorney for for, for finances. I take that. So if if healthcare is activated, it doesn't automatically activate the finances. But if you have a springing durable power of attorney for finances, um, that's a separate decision. And oftentimes the doctors will say, well, for this person, we can clearly see they are incapacitated for any decision. This form says health care. This form says finances. Let me sign them both. But not necessarily. And just because they sign it for health care, that doesn't do anything then for your finances. Now, it might be something that you get to argue about, but that didn't do anything. So if he says, yeah, I might have good days or bad days or, or I'm great in the morning, but I'm, I'm bad in the afternoon. That's why we activate the health care. But there aren't any building a house emergencies like there are with health care. So he can still call up his favorite contractor and say, yeah, um, I'm going to sign that. I'm having a great day, and uh, I'm, I'm completely aware of, of things. And you know what? I'm still living, and it's my money. You know, why can't I build a house? You know, we have people that live to 101, and there's a very famous woman in Merrill uh, that's lived to 111. And, uh, and uh from uh, from personal experience, and not uh, uh, we know some folks who were close to her that uh, she was feisty every day right up until then. And you say, yeah, so a person can use their money. I'm I'm totally in favor of that, but you want to make sure they don't get taken advantage of. I'm frankly less concerned about the house because they'd be putting money into something that has value, as opposed to maybe taking their entire fortune and investing it in Bitcoin or Correct. something. Investing it in whatever comes over the TV. Yeah, yeah. that says uh, you know we've got the Franklin Mint. And we've got, uh, you know, 12 different copies of whatever the, you know, the, the coin du jour is, which uh, may or may not have value, or the, the plate of the month club that uh, yeah. is a collector's item. Uh, so those are the ones we get concerned about. Or, frankly, it's just people coming in and just swindling money from them. Um, so that is one where – so those are different standards, Paul. And what happens is they still have the right to do that. The only time it gets taken away is if you go through a guardianship 
if, if, if someone is going to be harmful to themselves, and Paul, if you say, hey, no, this is going to the next level, um, we can't quite activate that power of attorney for finances, but they are not able to make those decisions. How do you fix this? Well, then you go to court and you ask a judge, and a judge can go through a guardianship and actually terminate that person's right to make those decisions. Um, but that's the only way it really, really gets terminated. So good question, though. It it's comes up all the time. All right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 715-845-2155. Right back to the phone we go. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hello. Talking to Rick. Rick, you're on with Alan. Go ahead. Good morning, Rick. Hey, Alan. I got a question for you. Uh, my dad was a farmer. Uh, he passed away uh, about 13 months ago. My mother is in a nursing home, and uh, he had one of the, my, they had set up one of these, my, okay, let me back up. My stepmother has also got Alzheimer's, and she cannot make decisions for herself anymore. Is, is, your, step, uh, is your stepmother the one in the nursing set, home, or is that is that a third person? No. I said, okay, I said mother on the first thing. It's actually my stepmother. Okay, no, that's fine. In the nursing home. So there's just two people here involved as far as that goes. Um, we had to switch uh, a trustee. They had one of these AB trusts set up, sure. and we had to go through the whole process of uh, changing a trustee. And that involved getting all of the siblings, which there are a lot of. There was 23 names that had to wow. be notarized and sent back to this trust attorney. Yeah, that's possible. What, Something called a, 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 you, yeah, we my, got those. Okay. My question to you, uh, Alan, is what is the power of this trustee attorney, um, you know, as far as his decisions aligning with our wishes as far as the disposition of farmland and uh, repositioning of, of um, liquid assets, you know, like stocks. Sure. And well, I would like say, that. Rick, is the attorney, so the attorney like a lawyer, is the lawyer the actual trustee of, uh, of your dad's trust? Yes. Okay. Yes, he is. Really, what what the, what the, now, what the trustee has to do, whether it's an attorney or not, usually with an attorney, it's going to be someone. Obviously, they're um, they're independent, uh, they are disinterested, so they're not a beneficiary. Uh, sometimes the trustee, if it's a family member, they can be a beneficiary, and sometimes we worry about that just because they have a you know they have a goal. They want to keep more of the stuff themselves and not share with their siblings. But if it's an attorney and he's independent, he has to follow your dad's plan or your dad and your stepmom's plan. He has to follow it. So and he's required by law to do that. That said, there's a little bit of gray area in that, and and it's certainly something where sometimes the the same mechanism that those 23 people used to appoint that person, those 23 people can use it to to remove them. Um, so I think it might be just sitting down with them. Yeah, I'm saying, aware of that, but I'm aware of that. But I'll tell you, the process of getting this guy appointed the trustee took approximately two months with sending the paperwork sure. all the way, you know, a military grandson working in. Uh, yeah, and, and, it, there's, and absolutely, there's, there's time it, it and there's a, paperwork it, it and there's signatures. It was a big hassle. So it's, uh, it's the kind of thing that um, I would say there's, there's a, a wide range of, 
he has to follow the plan, but there are some, there's a range of, of outcomes. And if someone disagrees with it, you know, at some point, the beneficiaries can always go to a judge and say, we look, we think he is operating outside of his, his authority. Now, your dad and your stepmom got to give him that authority, and they did it. And, and that's part of their trust, and it's their stuff, and they get to decide. But if, if you think he, is, he or she, this, this attorney, is outside of, of what is reasonable, you know, at, at the end of the day, you can always grab an attorney, go to a judge, and let the judge decide. And I think that's the, in the end, that's what happens. All right, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 715-845-2155. Right back to the phone we go. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Les. Les, you're on with Alan. Go ahead. Good morning, Les. Good morning, Mr. Hogan. Good morning, guys. Um, Mr. Hogan, my, my wife's sister passed away. And we own a rental property with her jointly. How do we determine the basis of the property? Is there a step up in basis based on the property tax bill? We never had it uh, appraised. And you're saying it was owned, your your wife owned it with her sister. So they owned the well, two of them owned it together? Yeah, we owned it jointly. Okay. Yeah, and and I think that, um, yeah, and Les, I'm just thinking of uh, Les, one of my favorite names, one of my uh Best big friends is named Les, so it's uh, you're, you're you're helping me out this morning, especially after a Badger game. But uh, but Les, what happens is the uh, uh, you get a step up in cost basis for the share of the person who passed away. So unfortunately, um, someone passed away. Uh, uh, her sister. I mean, obviously, there's the the grieving and the and, and the really sad part of that. Um, but what you should do, what I would recommend, is getting that appraised, having someone okay. come in and appraise it. And if you say my wife's sister who passed away um she owned half of it well then half of it gets a step up so if it was a hundred thousand dollar property that they bought for for 60 well your wife um her cost basis is 30 and now it's worth 50 the the sister who passed away her half was cost basis was 30 now it's 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 worth 50 so the the sister who passed away gets a step up in basis for her half but your wife's half didn't your wife's was the same as it was before so so Whatever the money we laid out uh, when we bought the house, my wife's half does not receive a step-up basis. Correct. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And and there's still some things. There's still adjustments to basis, and and uh, uh, you know, like my friend Les, he's an accounting uh, expert, so maybe you, you go find him. But uh, the you know, there are adjustments to basis depending on if it was rented or you made improvements. But for the most part, it's what did you pay for it? What's it worth now? And, and and that's okay. generally the, the where you start for the calcul- calculating okay. the game. All right. So, thanks for the call. Thanks, Appreciate it. 715-845-2155. We need to take one more break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Alan, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now, this day, here's Chris Conley. Edward Smith was a small-time thief. He was a shoemaker, and his business was great, so long as he stole his supplies. On this day, March 19th. A message from the Ad Council. One, one moment. It's this. The Ukrainians have responded to Putin's assault. And we will not lose. Then another moment. More of this. Targeting civilians. We will stop importing Russian oil. And at any moment, this. The price of the gas at the pump in America is going to go up further. Fold it into groceries and everything else they purchase. Check in and you won't miss a moment. Now this is a critical moment. For all of life's moments. We must listen. Seek the truth. Central Wisconsin's News Talk. 
WSAU. And we're back here. I'm Tom King in the studio with Alan Haugam, attorney here in Wausau, pinch hitting for Merle Kelch today. Back to the phone we go. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, Ron from Merrill. Ron, you're on with morning, Alan. Ron. Go ahead. Yes. I was wondering, uh, when the parent deeds the house over to the kids, is there a waiting period in there before it actually kicks in? Yeah. It's Well, no, The the when, it, when you deed the house to the kids, you know, that happens immediately. I mean, the, when you stroke the pen and someone notarizes it, that's a done deal. Uh, when you take it and, you know, you can record it down at the county, which is a good idea. It's not mandatory, but, you know, obviously we would record 100% of every deed that you do that way. But, no, it's it's the house if you just give it to them. If you say, um, so, and sometimes people have done that with, you know, maybe the farmland, maybe the hunting land, something like that. But if it's something that you live in, then you keep the right to live there. You keep what's called a life estate. So I'm not sure, Ron, if you if you heard the, the first maybe uh, 20 minutes of the show. But, but if you keep the right to live there, you keep that life estate, then um, you have to be, you know, both spouses have to be healthy at, at least five years without needing any kind of long-term care. And if you do that, you get to protect a portion of the house, um, but the, the, the state is going to keep an anchor around the kids' necks essentially for the rest of your lifetimes. It's, it's awesome. So we would never, we haven't, uh, we talked about it earlier, but. We haven't transferred a house to the kids and kept a life estate for the parents. We have not done that since the state changed the law back in August 1st of 2014. Sure. And, and, and I would certainly, if, if you're doing it for long-term care or nursing home purposes, um, uh, we would strongly, strongly recommend that not putting it in the kids' names or at least getting that, uh, getting some attorney to explain it to you because this, that law completely changed. Yeah, so. okay, that's what I was wondering. That's okay, thank you. All right, thanks so. for the call. 715-845-2155. We've got a few minutes left. If you have a question for Alan, give us a call. You know, and I think, Tom, one thing, too, even to kind of follow up on Ron's question there, if, if Ron says, hey, uh, you know, sometimes people just for shorthand, they say, I just want to put the house in the kids' names. And, of course, I want to do this because my parents did it 20 years ago or my parents did it at any time prior to 2014. You know, keep in mind, if someone signed it prior to August 1st of 2014, it's not perfect. Because you still run into that situation where the place is vacant and you got to pay the bills and all those kinds of things, but if you if if that if that deed was signed prior to August first of twenty fourteen, you kind of just leave it alone. You you sort of let sleeping dogs lie. We wouldn't you don't change it now. Most of the time, you take a look at it and, and in case there's something with it, it's possible to change or it's possible you just leave it there. It's just for new ones. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't sign new ones. Or if you have something like that that happened and it was signed after August first of twenty fourteen then you might really want to strongly consider revising it. But are there ways to protect the house? Yeah, absolutely. So Ron can still do that. But now, Ron, here's a great example where Ron might explore some type of trust. Is there any type of asset protection trust, for example, Ron, that you could use to transfer the house to the kids and get the tax benefits? Um, it's just not quite as simple as a one-page deed like it was back in back before 2014. All right, let's try to sneak one more call in here before we finish up. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, yeah, you're talking to Griff. Go ahead. You're on with Alan. Good morning, Griff. Yes, I got a question. I set up a uh, revocable trust, and when I pass away, the house and all the contents and everything uh, reverts to my daughter. Does that hit that, uh, not the capital gains, but you're talking where they have to pay like 50, 60 percent of the value of the house? I would say now if it's just a, and and when we say trust, of course, you know, this is a, different people use different terminology than the actual uh, specific legal terms for it. But if it's just a garden variety revocable trust, um, that isn't doing anything to protect any of the house if you need 
long-term care or nursing home grift, or, or if you're married, if your spouse does. So I would say, no, that's, that's not something where your, your daughter might lose 50 or 60% of the house. You know, if you need nursing home care, she's on the hook for a hundred percent of the house that, uh, if it says it goes to her after you pass away, well, then what goes to her is anything that's left after you pass away, after your claims and your bills are paid. So if you needed nursing home care, that gets paid 100% um, before before that house goes to your daughter. So if you want to protect the house, well, then I would say, you know, that is a, a call your local uh, estate planning and elder law attorney uh, sooner rather than later to have them at least explain how you could do it. Or, or maybe even read what you have right now to... To confirm that, but but just a garden variety, um, very simple, uh, revocable trust is not meant to protect things from nursing home care. That's not the goal. Yeah. It does wonderful things, by the way. It does all kinds of great things, but that's not one of them. So, right. Well, uh, my uh, lawyer, we tried to set it up so that there'd be no problem in my passing that the daughter inherits all my assets. Good. Yeah. And so it's you know. I thought it was pretty much bulletproof, but after listening to your conversation this morning, I'm beginning to wonder, I mean, if the state's going to take over everything and tax the heck out of the kids, why not just sell the doggone house, move into a condo, and uh, say, okay, I pass away, kids, you get all the assets. Sure, but then the state comes and they want the condo. You know, they just want whatever you have. Or if you sell it, you don't buy a condo, they put it in a bank account. They want the bank account. So how do you fix that? Yeah. 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 No, okay. and, and Griff, yeah, thanks for the question. Appreciate it. Yeah, and I think just for everybody out there, Griff, you might be right in that the it might be bulletproof for what your goals are. And if your goals are, I want to avoid probate, and when I die, whatever I have left goes to my daughter. That might actually be perfectly uh, uh, you know, satisfied. That might be what that lawyer did and probably did. But if you said, I want to avoid probate, get the stuff to my daughter, and protect it from the nursing home care or, or the nursing home taking all of it, well, that might not be what happened. So that it just might be a difference in what you think the goals were and what the attorney actually thought the goals were. So just get that clarified. Just you know, call somebody; they can review it, and, and you'll be you'll be clear. All right. Well, we're out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Well, we had great calls today, Tom. And Indeed. I think uh, if anybody has questions on Monday, if you didn't quite get in, uh, the phone number. Our main office is in Wassa. We have our satellite office in Rhinelander too. But the main office number is area code seven one five. 843-5001, or on the internet at haugumlaw.com, H-O-U-G-U-M-L-A-W, haugumlaw.com. All right, we'll talk to you again down the road. Thanks, Tom. We've got the news on the way. The Polka Show is coming up as well, all right here on...